Thank you, Micah and Worship Ensemble, for leading us this morning. Let me invite you to grab a Bible or turn on your device. We're going to be in John chapter 14. In John chapter 14. For those of you that might be tuning in as guests of ours of the Elkdale Church family, we welcome you. And we say thank you during these odd circumstances for tuning in and worshiping with us in your home or uh, in your truck or at your kitchen table. And uh, we've been walking through in, in a series of sermons at Elkdale uh, of the statements of Jesus found in the Gospel of John. Jesus makes seven I am statements found in this gospel. In each one of those statements, he is revealing himself to us as God in the flesh. And also, he's showing us our need for him. We have already kind of journeyed through some of these where Jesus says, I am the bread of life, or I am the light of the world, I am the good shepherd. He is declaring to us a truth about himself and how he has come to meet a need in our heart and in our soul. And in today's passage, we will find him using an I am statement there in John 14. In fact, the statement he will use today is a statement of comfort. He is uh, giving his disciples a dialogue before he will go to his death, and they are becoming nervous and worried. And so Jesus will give them a statement that will soothe their troubled heart. In fact, one writer calls John 14 a medicine for the anxious soul. And so this morning, I want us, as we look at the first six verses of John 14, I, I want us to see how God, in the flesh, Christ himself, comforts our troubled hearts. Would you join me in John 14, 1 through 6? Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare that place for you, I will come again and take you to where to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Verse 5, Thomas said, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Would you join me in prayer this morning? Father, we ask you now as we walk through these six verses and we hear again Jesus say, I am, Lord, that you would remind us again that Christ in the flesh is God to us, the Redeemer and the Rescuer for our soul. And Father, especially today as this passage is particularly designed to bring comfort to an anxious and worried and troubled heart, Lord God, we pray that, that this passage would comfort our hearts, would bring us peace. Lord, I pray for those that are watching this morning, that are, that are struggling, that are hurting, that are wobbling in their faith. I pray that this passage would, would speak to them through your Spirit, Lord. Father, I pray for the one who may be tuning in that they're not quite sure about Jesus. They're not sure about eternity. They're not sure how to handle all of the pandemic around us. Lord, I pray they would hear clearly from your Word this morning the answers that Jesus gives us for our troubled heart. Father, bless our time around your word, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, life is full of trouble. It's full of anxiety. It's full of ups and downs. Job himself in the Old Testament writes these words. He says, but man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. We are born to deal with ups and downs of life. And that can cause our hearts to be full of trouble and anxiousness and worry and 
And even in the passage that we have, if you were to go in your Bible to John chapter 13, just the passage before this, and you begin to read and study, here's what you'll find. You'll find that Jesus has told his disciples that one of them is about to betray them. That means Judas. And so they are certainly very rattled about this. Then he begins to tell them that he's about to go and be arrested and beaten and crucified and turned over to the Roman guard, and he'll, he'll be executed and laid in a tomb, and they won't be able to go where he's going. And in fact, at the end of chapter 13, even Peter, who says, Lord, I want to go with you, Jesus looks at Peter, the, the kind of leader of the disciples, and he says, Peter, even you, even you over the next few hours will deny me three times. And so to say that the disciples are worried, troubled, anxious, to say that they're rattled is an understatement. And so Jesus, being the Lord and Savior of the world, but also the, the Father and the Good Shepherd and the friend to sinners, He sees His disciples dealing with this troubled heart, and He begins to reassure them. He begins to comfort them. He doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't scold them. He gives them words of comfort. He gives them medicine for an anxious Heart. And so this morning, I want you to see in these six verses four truths that Jesus gives us for a troubled heart, for a worried heart. We, brothers and sisters, even now are facing a pandemic. We're facing a worldwide uncertainty. But this is no different than the disciples. They were facing the loss of their leader. They were facing death itself in front of them. And so he begins to speak to them. So let me show you four truths this morning that I believe will comfort a worried heart, a troubled heart. Truth number one, believe Jesus is God. Believe Jesus is God. Look with me at verse one. And Jesus says, let not your hearts be troubled. He begins with an imperative, a command. He looks at them and he says, don't worry. Set your heart at ease. Don't be troubled. He, he tells them to stop worrying. Now, if you're like me, when someone looks at you and says, don't worry, that doesn't magically make it go away. That doesn't magically make you say, oh, well, in that case, I won't worry. And so what Jesus does is for the rest of the passage, he gives them evidence for why they shouldn't worry. He gives them comfort for their heart. First, in this verse 1, he says, don't worry because I'm God. Look at the rest of the passage. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, Jesus is speaking to his Jewish disciples. They have grown up in the nation of Israel. They have known the stories of the Bible. They knew Genesis to the Psalms, all the way to Malachi. They, they knew all of the stories. They knew how God created and fashioned the world and cares for his people. They knew how God rescued Noah from the flood and Joseph from the pit and the Israelites from Egypt. They knew how God was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace and how he calmed the lions in Daniel's den. They knew how he was with the psalmist and the poets and the prophets. They knew the God of the Bible who watches over his people. And Jesus makes this profound statement. You know him. You trust Trust him, you believe him, believe me too. Why would Jesus say this? Because, brothers and sisters, all through the Gospels, we learn this glorious truth Jesus is God in the flesh. And so the words of Jesus can be trusted just as the words of God because they are one in the same. And so Jesus looks at his disciples who are afraid and worried and he says, every word from my lip you can anchor your heart on because they are the very words of heaven. 
They are from God Himself. It is God who says, let not your heart be troubled. It is God who is speaking to them now. And He says, don't worry. And think about this. Think about the compassion of the Lord Jesus. In John 14, He is just hours away from being arrested and beaten and crucified. And he's just a little ways away from going to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And the intensity of the moment is such that the Gospels tell us he begins to sweat droplets of blood. He is moments away from having his literal world turned upside down. And yet he looks at his disciples and cares for them. Oh, brothers and sisters, what compassion and love of our God that He would look at us and say, don't be troubled. Trust me. I submit to you this morning that the ultimate way in which we find ourselves comforted in a troubled day, in a worried time, is remember that Jesus is God in the flesh and He has come. And His words are true and they are good and they are good for us. They are medicine to an anxious heart. I'll give you a second truth from the passage. Not only are we comforted from trouble uh, because we believe Jesus is God, but we are comforted in trouble because we believe Jesus is preparing for us an eternal home. There's more to the passage. He's making more evidence of why we shouldn't worry. Look with me at verse 2. He says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus tells his disciples of heaven. He's speaking with certainty. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. I'm going to the place where I'm preparing for you. And he speaks with clarity. Now he's talking about the second coming. There is coming a day where the Lord Jesus will return to this earth and he will gather up all of those who are alive in Christ and all of those who have died. Their bodies will be resurrected and we shall meet him in the air and we will go with him forever into the eternal kingdom of heaven and all things will be made new. Jesus is speaking with clarity and certainty. He's not speculating. He's not guessing. He's not describing from imagination. He's speaking from truth. And why? Remember this now. He's speaking from truth about the Father's home because Jesus is from there. Heaven is Jesus' hometown. He's come from heaven to rescue us, and he will gather us up and take us there again. In fact, he says these words in John 3, 13, No one has ascended unto heaven except he who descends from heaven, the Son of Man. He's come from there, and he's gone back to there, and he's coming again for us. And so why does this comfort us? Because brothers and sisters, there is a place for us in eternity. Those that are in Christ are welcomed into the place of God. But I want you to notice the words that he used. Now, Some of your translations may read in verse 2 that God is preparing for us a mansion. And that is a, an elaborate, wonderful idea that God is giving us these big, huge, pleasurable homes in heaven. And, and granted, heaven will be the place where all of our needs are met. And so it is not wrong for us to imagine the beauty of heaven, but it misses, it misses the point of the term. When Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms, he's speaking more of the way in which that, that God himself has a house. And God himself is expanding and moving the walls in order to invite us into his house. Now, when my family and I travel to see our, our families, we might go to my parents or, or my in-laws or, or up to my brothers. When we go to those places and we come to stay, my in-laws are, 
or, or my, my family or, or my brother, they never say, well, we're going to put you down the road at the hotel. They always say, we've, we've made a place for you in our home. We've made a place for you here with us. And everything we have is yours. You, you share with us our belongings. This is the picture that Jesus gives the disciples about heaven. He says, God has a place for you and he's going to invite you in and you're going to get to share in all of his riches and all of his goodness and all of his blessings with him in heaven. This is the beauty of the passage. This is the picture that the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God of all creation, is going to one day invite us into his home. Brothers and sisters, no matter how fearful I may get in this temporal world, I am confident and sure that when I draw my last breath, or if the Lord Jesus were to return, that I have a place in eternity with Him, an eternal dwelling place where death will not touch, where sickness will not invade, where sin is no more, and God Himself invites me in to share in the riches and in the blessings of the eternal forever kingdom of God. Let not your heart be troubled. God is making a place for us in Christ Jesus. Using the word mansion, Ira Stanfield wrote the famous hymn, and the chorus goes like this. He says, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow old. And someday yonder we will never more wonder, but walk the streets that are pure as gold. There is a place for us. So one of the ways Jesus comforts his disciples is he says, believe me, I'm God in the flesh. And believe me that I'm leaving you, but I'm leaving you to go to prepare a place for you. I'm going to make a place for you. Now, I want us to be clear here. When Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, he is not simply saying, I'm going to heaven to get the saw and the hammer and the measuring tape and expand God's house. When he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, he is talking about his entrance into the kingdom. And the entrance into the kingdom is the fact in which Jesus went to the cross. And all of the sins of the world were laid on his shoulders. And the wrath of God poured out on sin was poured out on him. And he died in our death and he was buried in our tomb and he rose again. And now he takes that blood offering of his sacrifice to the holy of holies in the very heavens of God. And he sits down at the right hand of the father. And there is no more need for sacrifice because Jesus has made a way for us. He has prepared for us a home in heaven. Brothers and sisters, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in Jesus that he is God in the flesh and believe that he has gone to prepare for us an eternal home. Thirdly, Jesus says this. He says, comfort for a troubled heart. Believe that Jesus is coming back for you. You should believe that he's coming back. Notice verse 3. Jesus kind of speaks matter of fact. He says, why would I do this if I've told you I'm going to do that? Look, look, at, look at verse 3. Look at what he says there. He says in verse 3, And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. Now, now notice how Jesus says this. It's, it's almost kind of comical. He says, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I'm going, I'm coming to get you. He says, why do you think I'm going to go do this? I'm expecting you to join me. I'm expecting you to be with me. I'm expecting to bring you home into this kingdom. Jesus is speaking matter of fact. He's giving sure promises. And remember, he's God in the flesh, and God does not lie. God does not change his mind. God is not persuaded by man. And so when Jesus says, 
I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm coming again to get you. That is a sure lock promise. That is not something that will waffle or move because Jesus has guaranteed that he will come back for his followers. And so he says in verse 3, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to do this. It's a real place, and I'm going to come get you and bring you there. But I want you to notice something beautiful about it because Jesus gives us a little bit of description of heaven in verse 2 and 3. He says, heaven is with my Father. There's a house. There's a place for you. You get to join the Father. You get to come in. You're going to be in the home of the Father. You'll have all the blessings and all of the riches and all the goodness of God there. But but notice in verse 3 what Jesus says. Listen to the words again. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. We kind of joke a lot about what heaven will be. We're not sure. We have a couple of glimpses in Scripture. We have a couple of glimpses from John in the book of Revelation. We have a couple of glimpses in the Old Testament. We have some places where Jesus describes heaven and what it will be like. But but there's a lot there that we just don't know. We don't understand. We don't see. But Jesus here gives us the anchoring truth of heaven. I, I know that, that we like to think about, well, man, when I get to heaven, I'm going to fish a lot. Or when I get to heaven, I'm going to, boy, I'm going to get in God's kingdom and just bake the best bread. Or I'm going to be the best gardener in heaven. And, and we kind of speculate based on the things we love here on earth. But, but I want you to notice what Jesus does here as he anchors heaven. He says, I'm going to come get you and I'm going to take you to heaven. But, it, but the anchoring point here, the beauty of heaven is Jesus says, and you will be with me. Oh, brothers and sisters, when my heart is anxious and I'm troubled and I'm worried and I'm maybe even like the disciples facing death or surrounded by death or weeping with those who have experienced death, when when I feel my legs wobbling under the stress and anxiousness of this world, there is a sure anchoring hope in this text. That one day, one day I will be with Jesus. That one day all of this will pass away and I will be with Jesus. I get to be where He is. I get to bask in His radiance and in His glory. I get to worship at His feet. I get to see my Savior face to face. The one who died for me. The one who rescued me. The one who makes all of this world livable because I know that I'm going to an eternal home and I will see Jesus. You know what else is implied in this? What's implied in this is that if I get to be where Jesus is, then I get to be where perfection is. Which means if I'm with Jesus in heaven, sin will no longer have any sway over me. Death will have no longer a claim on my life. Sickness will no longer affect me. Weeping will be no more. If I get to be where Jesus is in heaven, in perfection, in the glory of the kingdom, then all of the brokenness of my life in this world will not be there. In fact, I will be transformed. 1 John 3 and verse 2 says this. It says, Beloved, we are God's children. Now and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when He appears, meaning Jesus, we shall be like Him because we shall see Him 
as He is. We will see Him in all of His glory and our eyes won't explode and our bodies won't fall to dust because we'll be like Him. We'll be without sin and we'll walk into the kingdom and bask in His glory. This is the comforting truth of the text. That when your heart is troubled, believe in Jesus. Believe that He's preparing for you an eternal place outside of this temporal world. And believe, brothers and sisters, that because He's preparing that place, He's going to come back. And He's going to gather us up and take us to where He is. And we will be in the Father's home forever. That leads us to the final truth in the passage this morning. Comfort for a troubled heart means believing Jesus is God, means believing Jesus is preparing for us an eternal home. It means believing Jesus is coming back for you, but it also means simply this. It means believing Jesus is the way to God. You see, all of the promises that I've been describing to you, Jesus is speaking uh, to those who have believed in Him, who've trusted Him, who've come to Him. He's telling us that all of those things are true for Christians, for followers of Christ, for believers, for those who've trusted in the Lord Jesus as the Savior. And in fact, in verses 4-6, through we find that he makes this perfectly clear by giving us this this beautiful I am statement. Listen to verse 4. In verse 4, after he's describing all of these things, he says in verse 4, And you know the way and where I'm going. Now he has been for... Uh, 13 chapters of the Gospel of John for three years walking with his disciples telling them about heaven and his death and his burial and his resurrection and the eternal kingdom. And, and he's pressing them that they should know. They should know about this. They should know what his purpose is for coming, that the Son of Man came to die. They should know that the Father has come to seek and to save that which was lost. They should know, John 1.12, that they believe in him and receive him. They have the right to be called children of God. John 3, 16, that God so loved the Lord, He sent His Son, that whoever believes in Him will not die, but have everlasting life. They should know this. But remember, they're scared and they're worrying. Jesus has just told them that He's about to die. Their, their, their faith is wobbling. And so He looks at him. He says, you know where I'm going and you know the way. You know how to get there. And then in verse 5, Thomas speaks for the disciples. Thomas, full of anxiousness and raw emotion and worry, speaks for the disciples, his his mind full of cloudiness, his heart overwhelmed with the moment. And listen to what he says in verse 6, verse 5. He says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Thomas said, Lord, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. You're telling us not to worry, and you're telling us that that you're God in the flesh and you're telling us that you're fixing to leave us and go prepare for us a place and that you're going to come back and get us. But, but Lord, we don't know about wh- where are you going and, and, and how do, what, are the, what are the directions? Can I get the address, Lord? What, what turn do I make to get there? How, how do I? You just told Peter back in chapter 13 that he's going to deny you and that none of us are allowed to go where you're going, that you're going to walk this road of death alone. And so, Lord, we're confused. And so what Jesus does in verse 6, brothers and sisters, is He sums up the entire philosophy of eternity and life and the world. He sums up all truth in one statement, one cutting and clear and crisp sentence. Jesus says these words, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
Now, I love this because Jesus doesn't scold Thomas. He doesn't look at Thomas and say, Thomas, you should have known. Thomas, how did you miss this? Thomas, you, 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 you stiff-necked, thick-headed guy, you, you should have gotten this. He doesn't do that. He looks at his frail and weak and tremble-hearted disciples. He looks at frail and weak and trembling Corey. And he says, I have the answer for you. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. He, he gives them this, this beautiful, wonderful passage of Scripture. And he says to them, I am the way. He sums up all of their questions in this answer. But I, I want you to notice just a couple of things about it. I want you to notice how personal Jesus is in this. He looks at them and he says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Jesus says, I'm not going to tell you how to get there through a philosophy. I'm not going to tell you how to get there through some sort of religion. I'm not going to tell you how to get there by sending back an angel or sending back a prophet. I'm not going to tell you how to get there by giving you some works to do. Jesus literally says, here's how you get there. I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to come get you. I'm going to carry you to the kingdom. I'm going to lay down my life full of, full of righteousness, but take your sin on my shoulders, and I'm going to lay down my life for you. And the directions, the path, the coordinates, the address to the kingdom is me. If you have me, you have the way. If you know me, you know the truth of God. If you have me, you have life. Eternal, secure, promised life. Listen to the personal care and comfort of Jesus. But not only is it personal, it's powerful. It's authoritative. It's a, it's a, it's a declaration that Jesus makes. He doesn't say, I am a way. He doesn't say, I'm some truth, but there's more. He doesn't say there's one way to life, but you can find a different path. He's, he's authoritative. He's powerful. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. There's nowhere else to look. There's nowhere else to go. Brothers and sisters, when your heart is wobbling, when you're anxious, when you're worried, when you're troubled, when you need medicine for your worrying and troubled and anxious heart, listen, there's nowhere else to go but Jesus. Jesus is the only place to turn because He, with all authority of heaven, says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the source of how you are saved. I am the source of how you are rescued. I am the source of all truth from heaven. I am the source of eternal life. He and he alone can do this. And so when we turn to Jesus, we find ourselves being strengthened in an anxious world. Why? Because while the world may be full of calamity, and even now while a pandemic may be spreading, I know Jesus is God and His words are true and trustworthy. And I know He is preparing a place for me through His death, burial, and resurrection at the Father's house. And I know He's coming again to get me. And I know He's the way. And I don't have to look anywhere else. And I don't have to work anywhere else. And I don't have to worry about what will happen because brothers and sisters, no matter what this world may do to me, my heart will not lose Jesus. And why? It's not because the disciples are rock stars. It's not because they're great in their faith. We know in just a few more hours, they will all desert Jesus. 
Peter will deny him three times, cursing those who, who try to put him with Jesus. He will, he will run and flee. And so the beauty of the passage is simply this. The beauty of the passage is no matter how my heart may feel, no matter how weak my knees may be, no matter how anxious my thoughts may be running in this troubled and fallen world, my Jesus has promised to come get me. My Jesus has promised to be the way, the truth, and the life. And my Jesus is God in the flesh, and He will not fail. He will not fail. You might say, well, how do I know? Because He told them He was going to go die and be buried and raised from the dead. And brothers and sisters, He was crucified and buried, and on that Easter morning He rose from the dead. He is true and trustworthy and worthy to be praised. Listen to me now as we close. We stand this morning in different places and locations because of a worldwide pandemic. The coronavirus is spreading and there is death among us. There is anxiousness among us. There is worry among us. In a matter of just a few short weeks, we realize just how frail we are. How quickly our economy can fall, how quickly our health care can be overrun, how quickly our own bodies can be frail, how quickly we can become isolated from those around us. Brothers and sisters, we live in a broken and fallen world. And even more, listen now, listen, even more, we understand that death is real. It is not morbid to think of it, brothers and sisters. It is sober-minded to think death is real. In this very passage, the reason why the disciples were so worried is because Jesus was speaking of death. They believed that when Jesus went to die, they would lose him. They would be separated from him. That they would never see him again. That their friendship, their lives together would be over. That death would be final. And yet Jesus looks at them and says, don't worry. Don't be troubled. I'm going to come again. And I'm going to take you to where I am. And in me, I am life. Brothers and sisters, can you say that? Right now in your home, in your, the cab of your truck, on your couch, maybe you're uh, sitting in the break room at your job, can you say without a shadow of a doubt that you have the answer to death? That you've come to the Lord Jesus Christ? That you've given your heart to Him? That you've trusted Him as the way, the truth, and the life? Because the only answer to a troubled heart is Jesus. I'm going to pray for us. But I want you to know, if you're a believer, if you've been listening to me and you follow Christ Jesus, then I want you to be encouraged. And I want you to know, and I want you to sit for just a moment and meditate on this fact. Jesus has promised to come get you. And Jesus has promised to take you to the Father's home. And Jesus has promised to give you eternal life. So no matter what this world may throw at us, we can be sure, we can be confident, we can have hope for our troubled heart that Jesus Jesus, Jesus is for us. If you're listening to me and you're not a believer, then the Bible says you must come to Jesus. He's the only way. In fact, it tells us in John 3, 16, I quoted it early, for God so loved the world, He sent His only Son, that's Jesus, that whoever believes in Him will not die, won't be separated from God, but have eternal life with Him in heaven. And so right now, where you are, you can cry out to Jesus. The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You simply just tell Jesus, I need you. I'm a sinner. 
And I have no way except for you. I want to pray for you. And I want to remind you, Jesus, Jesus is God. He's prepared for us a place. He is coming again. And he has made a way. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I pray right now that your spirit is comforting people all over. Father, who are watching this, who are listening to this. Father, I pray that through your word, you're speaking to them. You remind them. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You remind them that, you, that, you, that Jesus is trustworthy and true, that He's God in the flesh. Remind us, Lord, that we have a, a, a home in heaven, an eternal home, and that, that You're coming to get us and take us there, and that, that all the things of this world will, will fade away. That, 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 Father, either through death or through Your return, we are, we are promised that eternal kingdom because of Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that would bring great comfort to all of those who are who are feeling anxious and worried and overwhelmed. God, help us not to let our heart be troubled. Remind us of these truths over and over and over again. Shore up our wobbling faith, Father. And for the one who's not sure about death, who's found themselves tuning in because they're looking for answers in the midst of our uncertainty surrounding us, I pray, Spirit of God, You would break their heart. And they would cry out to Jesus. And you would save their soul and you would remind them that all the promises of John 14 are now lavished upon them. That you have made a way. Jesus, give us strength and courage as we face the days knowing you are with us and you love us. And we pray this in your name. Amen.